This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host. And joining me across from the desk in person again. The uh, one and only. <laughs> the one and only. <laughs> Good to see you, Sam. Good to see you, Richard. Yeah. Um, we're, uh, I don't know if, if you've started doing this yet, but I've, I've felt that the weather is cool enough, sufficiently uh, cold to start building fires in our fireplace. And oh, boy. So I've been doing that every evening. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, the days are still quite warm, but, uh, you know what, it's cool enough in the oh, evening. It so it feels fresh. Even going for, I ran, went for a run this morning, but Good. sure feels different when you're not just drenched in sweat after you tie your shoes. It makes it, yeah, this is a uh, ideal running weather that we're having now. So, uh, but, uh, anyways, that's, Ball. Yeah, I think that's a lot of people's favorite. Oh season, yeah. It's so. gotta be, gotta be for sure. So we're, we're writing properly into it now, at least for, for Georgia anyways. Yep. Um, but, uh, anyways, uh, since we have you here before you dash off to the airport, uh, we're going to talk about unlimiting God. And this is a book that you wrote as a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. We've got, a, we're going to do some, a teaching series on this. I say we loosely, I'll film it and you'll teach it, <laughs> um, coming up here. But, uh, yeah. we thought it'd be a good time to sort of revisit some of the message of unlimiting God. And, uh, we'll do that here today. Yeah. Uh, Sam, the, this I, I wrote this book first in 2008, and uh, it's it's been kind of a favorite. I know some people tell me it's just their favorite book of mine that they've read, uh, and it's an interesting kind of concept. Uh, and it, it really is it's based on my favorite verse, which I've referred to before. But my favorite verse in the Bible is Ephesians 3:20, where Paul is writing. And he just says that God is the one, or Christ is the one who's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or think. And so if that is fundamentally true for every Christian, that, that Christ is able to do exceedingly more, not only than you could think, but even uh, what, you know, what you could even think to pray about, to say, God, would you do this in my life? Then that means that by very definition, we are living our lives far beneath the level that God would want us to, yeah. that we're capable of. And so that means that for every one of us, there's a whole lot more God could do. And so the question is, well, why doesn't he do it? Uh, God looks at you and Sammy just sees so much uh, potential that he's wired into you, that uh, he knows the resources of heaven available that he could bring to bear upon your life, uh, the challenging places he could take you and the ways he could grow you. Uh, and that's, that's all in his heart to do. And his Holy Spirit is in place, ready to do it. All the resources of heaven necessary are all in stock, and there's no uh, shipping uh, transportation issues to get it to, <laughs> no supply to chain the, problem in the, the heavenly supply chain. Um, the only issue really comes down to us. Uh, what do we believe God will do or wants to do? And if you read, especially in the Gospels, there's a number of places where uh, it'll say something like, uh, For instance, Jesus goes back to Nazareth and then it'll say he could not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. Mm. In other words, he could have done a lot of miracles. He he had been doing lots of miracles in Capernaum, not that far away. But when he gets to his hometown, he, he can't do very many. And the reason apparently is not because he's not powerful enough, but that they don't, they don't believe. And there's a number of places where Jesus will encounter someone and he'll say something like, 
be it done to you according to your faith. And, mm. and basically what he's saying is the only limit to what I'm going to do in your life is what you'll believe me for. And so what that says to me is that uh, it, it helps me understand why I see some people and it seems as if God is just doing so much in their life all the time. Just every time you see them, they're excited about some new thing God has said to them or shown them or done in their life and some miracle they witnessed or some awesome thing they found when they were reading their Bible. And they're, they're just always being stretched, always excited about this new thing. And then someone else is having quiet times too, but they're just not all that, you know, they're not experiencing anything fresh and new. They're, they're praying, but they're not necessarily seeing miracles. They're, you know, a good Christian person too, but they just don't see the same things happen in their life. Yeah. Uh, my dad certainly was a good example for me. Uh, yeah, I knew lots of pastors in my dad's day, but I just didn't see anybody who saw the kind of things happen in their ministry, in their church, like my dad did. And, and I knew how ordinary my dad was. So I knew it wasn't really that my dad was just so much more talented than everybody else, but he just, he just believed God differently. He expected God to do stuff and he trusted God's uh, work in his life. And so God did unusual things. And so the question I really have for our listeners today, and, and the question I unpack in this book, Unlimiting God, is, is it possible to increase your capacity to experience God in your life? Is, is it possible for you to say, I'm going to begin believing God for more? Um, and whatever the limit is in your life, um, could, I, could I raise the bar on those limits? So I have a higher limit, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, if you've uh, ever had a credit card starting out, you might have you know, said, how do I get an increase in my limit? I, yeah. <laughs> I remember when I first moved from Canada to the U.S., I think I had you know, credit cards in Canada that I could put $40,000 or more on. Uh, and I, but coming down to the States, I didn't have the same credit rating down there. And so I was really hard pressed to get someone to give me a credit card. I think I had one company said, well, we'll give you a $250 limit. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I was used to 30, 40,000 and they're giving me a $250 limit. And so I was really motivated to get that limit increased uh, quickly uh, but I think certainly when it comes to what you're capable of experiencing from God, that's something that ought to drive us to continually want to increase the limit. And so in the book, I look at uh, about five different primary ways, uh, areas of our life that we want to increase. And I, I, I'll just touch some of those uh, here in this time. But uh, one of those areas is just the limit to what we hear from God or what we see in his word. And there's a wonderful passage in John chapter 16, verse 12, where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's unpacking all this amazing stuff. Of course, in John 15, he's talking about the, the vine and the branches and so on. And I mean, he's just laying out some of the richest stuff that you'll find yeah. in Jesus' um, discourses. But then all of a sudden he gets to chapter 16, verse 12, and he kind of pulls up on the reins and he says, I still have so many things to share with you, but you can't bear them now. In other words, uh, Jesus, as he's just kind of laying out all these amazing teachings and insights, he, he says, there's still so much I could tell you. There's so much in my heart that I want you to know. Uh, of course, Jesus knows the future of these disciples. He knows when they're going to die. He knows what they're going to face. He knows what books of the Bible some of them are going to write. 
He knows the kind of opposition that will come up against him. He knows so many. He knows all the, the heart and mind of God the Father and what God intends to do to explode the church all over the known world. But he says, it's not that I couldn't tell you a lot more. It's just that you don't have the capacity to, to take it in right now. Yeah. And uh, in Hebrews 5 and some other places, the Bible talks about uh, people that uh, Christians who only have an appetite for milk, uh, words of milk, truths and doctrines of milk, basically spiritual baby food. And, and uh, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 5 says, really, you ought to be teachers by now. You ought to be much more mature. You ought to be handling deep stuff at this point but you still have an appetite for milk. And so, so you know, if you see a newborn baby and you, you try to give them the, a beautiful, nicely barbecued steak, uh, it, may, it may be great. And you can tell the baby, I've, I've got my favorite seasoning on it. I've, I, I, I marinated it before and it's just so yeah. succulent and good. And the baby's going to just gag on it. And, sit. and he, he doesn't, the baby doesn't have the capacity to take it in. And that's often really uh, bothered me at times when I open my Bible and I think, what is, what is God capable of showing me in his word today? What truths could he reveal to me that would get me so excited, so encouraged? I just can't handle it yet. I, I, I can't go there yet. Um, and of course, if, you know, Sam, if you've ever been reading your Bible and you you're looking at uh, maybe reading a passage you've read lots of times before. And then, you know, what happens sometimes is that you'll read a verse and that verse will just jump off the page and you'll think to yourself, wow, this is the best thing I've read all morning. And uh, why have I never seen this before? And you realize, well, I've, I've actually highlighted the verse that's right before this. I've underlined a verse, two verses after this, but Every time I ever read this passage, I, this verse never really stood out to me. But today, this truth is the most exciting thing I've seen. And sometimes it's almost confusing. It's like, was I just not paying attention before? Like, why yeah. Why did I not see this? And the fact is, it may well be that you didn't have the capacity to understand that verse before. You read it. You read the words. You thought you understood what the words were saying. But you really never grasped the the meaning, the the depth of truth that was there, the application that all of a sudden you realize, wow, this is just the most practical verse I've seen. This this has implications for all kinds of things in my life. Uh, and, and what that may mean is you've matured. Yeah. You've increased your capacity. And now you can handle that verse, but you couldn't before. And I'll tell you, that that's why if you don't grow... If you just continually, I mean, if all you can handle is spiritual bottles, well, I don't know if you've ever sucked on a baby bottle and it's their warm milk before, but I, I, I don't have an appetite for that. And yeah. it's pretty boring. And if that's all you ever eat, after a while, it's like, it's just not a big deal. Uh, but boy, I tell you what, when you all of a sudden develop an appetite for meat and other kinds of food, you realize it's it's really almost limitless the experiences that you could have and yeah. and when you look at the bible if you're getting bored reading it it may well be that you're you're in a rut as far as what you can take in because there's just level upon level that you can go you you, you know take a verse like john 316 and uh there's you, you, on the simplest level a child can read that and memorize it and and understand it at one level and yet some of the greatest theologians in the world have 
tried to plumb the depths of meaning of that one verse and yeah. realized every time you, you, you reach another depth of meaning, you discover that there's still more uh, to be had. There's, there's other minds and veins still to dig into that uh, in just one verse. And so um, that gets kind of exciting to me. Every time I, you almost want to just put John sixteen twelve across your Bible to every time you go to open it to say, will, will Jesus feel free to reveal more to me this time than he ever has before? Yeah. Have, have I grown? Do I, have I increased my capacity to hear more from God than I've heard before? Yeah, and I just wonder, too, how many people um, aren't increasing their capacity because they don't know that they can, or maybe they've never seen what does that look like spiritually to to go to another level. And, and so many people don't even know that, you know, they're, they're bumping up against this wall, and they don't know that there is a whole garden on the other yeah. side. and. Yeah, just and, because they haven't seen it. And I think, uh, you know, I, I, sometimes it, it takes a bit of work. I think it's just kind of like running. You know, you, 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 you keep running till you can run for a mile, and then you, you, you push further yeah. and try to run for two miles and try to get to a full 5K, and, uh, and it takes work, and you keep stretching yourself. And I think in some ways that's true also just with your reading. Some people just read lightweight stuff all the time. And so it never really builds a, a greater capacity. I always encourage people, pick up a book that's tough sledding for you. Take, pick up a book that you have to look up some of the words to know what they mean. Uh, take up a book that from someone maybe you don't even necessarily agree with everything they say, but they make you think. They, they make you process kind of a rebuttal to what they're saying. Uh, make you have to do some Google searches to discover what some of these philosophies are that they're even mentioning or what this book is about and uh, but grow yourself, and certainly with the Bible, uh, read some, get some commentaries that maybe take you a little deeper, and uh, maybe some devotional books that are thought-provoking. And uh, but but don't be content just to keep getting the same yeah. stuff, the same sort of spiritual milk. Um, increase your capacity for for more. Yeah, that's key. Well, let's take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll look at the rest of these. God's power and love have no limits. So why do Christians put limits on their relationship with Him? We could be pursuing greater knowledge, experiencing deeper intimacy, and abiding in a freer joy, and yet we routinely settle for mediocrity in our spiritual lives. Richard Blackaby unpacks these questions in his book, Unlimiting God. It's on sale now at blackabystore.org, and we'll leave links to that in the show notes. And now back to the show. Well, Richard, we got we got a, a one uh, one point in here. And I've got a great book though you could read that covers uh, them all. So, oh, really? Yeah. Good. Well, be sure and pick that up at blackbeestore.org. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Shameless yeah, well, plug, but uh, yeah. So let's let's uh, kind of dive in, continue the overview of unlimiting God. Yeah. Well, there's another area that I would say is also crucial. Not only what you hear from God, but also what God uh, does through your life, the kind of work God does. Again, why is it that God uses some people's lives so powerfully? Uh, again, I've, I've talked about my dad before uh, and pastoring a small church in Canada, but they begin starting all kinds of other churches. They start a Bible college, and, and you look at his little church and say, well, wh why was there so many things happening there? Yeah. The student ministry and all kinds of stuff. And then you see other churches, uh, and it just doesn't seem like much of anything goes on. It's just the yeah, same old. Very little old. on uh, paper makes sense when it comes to that. You know, yeah. like you see this one church has all the prerequisites that you would think to do great things. 
and another church maybe doesn't, and it's that church that, in the eyes of the world, um, doesn't have a chance that ends up doing the most. And so you'd say, well, of course it's it's God. It's just God chooses to to do a work through one person or one church more than another. And but you ask, well, why did He do that? Why? What yeah. was it God saw that He said with this church, I'm going to just really show off my stuff and this other church just kind of flounders and and kind of is stagnant, plateaued for years. And there's a great verse, uh, a passage in John chapter 13, verses 36 to 38. And there, the Jesus and the, the the disciples were in the upper room. And, and it's obvious that Jesus is getting ready to, to do something. He's, he keeps alluding to where he's going and what he's going to do. And of course, Peter is always alert to that. He wants to be in the center of the action. And yeah. he realizes, well, Jesus is about to do something important. So G- so Peter says, well, where are you going? And he, he wants to get himself ready. You know, if you're going somewhere important, I'll be right there with you. And in a very devastating way, Jesus just says, well, Peter, where I'm going, you can't go now, but, but you will later. Uh, and what Jesus was saying, he was kind of expressing both uh, truth and grace. With The truth was, he was saying, Peter... Uh, you don't have the character. You don't have the walk with God to go where I'm going now. I'm, I'm going somewhere only I, I can go at this point. But, but in grace, he says, but Peter, one day you will have the capacity. You don't yeah. have the capacity now to be a part of a work this great. Uh, but you're going to keep growing and you're going to be humbled. And eventually you're going to have the character that is, that's necessary to, to be used in a mighty way. And, and that's just a basic truth that I found throughout the Bible is that God always matches his assignments with your character. So if you have a, a shallow, uh, self-centered, prideful character, you're just not going to get a big assignment. Uh, it would ruin you. You, you. Your pride would take over. You'd take credit. You'd take the glory. So God says, I, nah, I'll give you a small assignment perhaps, but if you let me grow your character, if you let me build your humility... Um, and your God dependency, I can do a lot more through you. And so, as as we've often said, God first works in you before He works through you. And so Peter he argues and says, "Oh, but I'm I'm ready now. I I really want this great assignment." And and Jesus just draws a line and says, "No, you're not ready." And I'll tell you that that can be devastating for a lot of folks, especially if you desire to. Uh, live your life in a way that makes a difference uh, and to do things of, of importance for God's kingdom. And you, you, you feel like you're ready and you're praying and saying, God, use my life, uh, help my life make a difference. And then to hear those words, you don't have the character to be used any, any more significantly than mm. you're being used right now. It's a devastating thing, but we, we are the gatekeepers to our character. You know, we can choose and say, yeah. well, I want to grow my character. I want to be more humble. I want to be more uh, kind. Yeah, I want to be harder working. I want to be more focused. And the Spirit of God can help you grow in your character. He's an expert at that. But, of course, you have to be willing. And so it's a pretty devastating thing to say the, the, what's keeping you, what's limiting God doing more in your life is that you've got a small character. Um, but characters can grow. And, yeah. and I think that's encouraging. So, uh, so another limiting factor in your life, uh, is going to be, uh, your character. Have you stopped growing as a person? Have you just, you, you're not any bigger of a person than you've ever been, but you keep wanting a bigger assignment. 
and God, God would say, let me, let me first grow your, your character. And now you've got a platform, you've got a foundation for a bigger task. And then the third thing is just God's power. Why is it that some, some people just have the power of God in their life? They see miracles, they see answers to prayer, uh, they are used by God to set people free, they're great evangelists. And then there's other people that it just, you never see the power of God. You never see anything extraordinary happening in those people's lives. And again, there's a, there's a great story, Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 to 21. And there the disciples are, nine of the disciples come across a, a boy with an evil spirit and they, they try to cast the, the evil spirit out and none of them can do it. All, all nine fail. And so when Jesus returns, he, he sets the boy free. And then the disciples ask him and say, well, why couldn't we do that? And of course, if you go back to Matthew 10, you see that Jesus had given them authority. He, he told them, you know, go cast out evil spirits. So he expected them to do that. And apparently they, they had been successful before. But this time they, they come up against a problem that's too big for them, that they don't have the power to take on this kind of evil spirit. And so when they said, well, well, why couldn't we? Basically, why, did, why are we limited here? Why is it that we've had success before, but now we've kind of gotten to the edge of our ability? And Jesus basically says, because of your lack of belief, your lack of faith. Uh, he says, if you have faith size of a mustard seed, you can move this mountain. But, but then he goes on to say, but this kind uh, only comes with, with uh, prayer and fasting. And you, you sort of get the sense from reading that, that, Jesus was saying, you have had success before, you have cast out evil spirits, but, but today you came, you, you came up against your limit. You, you got as far as you could go. Mm-hmm. You, you don't have the faith uh, to cast out this kind of evil spirit because it's just more difficult. You, you can handle some of the easier ones, but today you came up against something that was, was tougher than you. Uh, but again, he says, but if you had more faith, uh, if you trusted me more, you could have been victorious here too. And, and again, that, that, that goes back to what, what is your level of faith? What are you trusting God for? Um, and, uh, and do you want to see God do more? And I'll tell you, certainly in our post, uh, 2020 post, hopefully post COVID, uh, society and so on. Um, this is certainly a time for God's people to say, I need to see God doing more in and through my life than I've ever seen before. Mm -hmm. I, Whatever limit I had a year ago, two years ago, I hope I'm not still at that same level. I hope God now uh, feels free to do more through my life than he's ever done before. And uh, then maybe just a fourth one just to mention here. Uh, I'm just kind of skimming the surface here on this book. Certainly, if you're interested in that, just how God could kind of uh, raise all the limits in your life to another level, you certainly encourage you to read that book. But One last one I just get into is just the limit of your joy. And a lot of people don't think of that as uh, that they have anything to do with their joy. It's just kind of, well, either I have a good day or I have a bad day. You know, if I have a good day, my team wins. uh, Depends on the traffic to the office. Yeah, if the traffic was light, if the boss was in a good mood, then I have joy. Uh, if, If my kids are behaving well, if I had a good night's sleep then there's joy. And if not, then I don't have joy. It's, I have very little to do with it. It's just, I'm just the, you know, just the stick on on the waves of the ocean. Just, uh, (laughs) I have no control over this, but, uh, but the fact is that, um, we, we do do some things in our life that, 
uh, affects the level of joy in our life. Um, and as I, we've talked about this before, but uh, in John 15, 11, Jesus basically said, if you abide in me and I abide in you. In other words, if you will draw close to me and you will just consciously walk in my presence, you'll pray without ceasing, you'll just stay consciously aware of me. He says, if you'll do all that, then he gets to verse 11, he says, then my joy will be in you and your joy will overflow. And so he makes a direct connection between your walk with God and the level of joy that you have. And so you see it uh, expressed when you get to Acts chapter 16, uh, verse 11, because there Paul and Silas, of course, have been uh, falsely accused by people that were abusing uh, a young woman and, and exploiting her. Uh, and they, they lie about Paul and Silas. They get them whipped, publicly beaten, stripped in public, and thrown into an inner prison. And yet it says at midnight, Paul and Silas are singing. They're singing hymns, and they have joy. And what you realize is that Paul and Silas had a very high pain threshold or, or joy <laughs> threshold. They, and what I, what I mean by joy threshold is how bad does your discomfort have to be before you surrender your joy? Mm. Uh, for some, the threshold's very low. Like, like we said, you, you just have someone cut you off in traffic and your, your joy's gone before you even get to work. Uh, for other people, you can be bit, whipped and beaten and thrown in jail unjustly, and you still have your joy. You, you mm -hmm. haven't lost it yet. Yeah. And to say, well, why is it that some people have joy even under the most dire circumstances, and other people, it just takes nothing, and they surrender their joy? Well, it's because they have a different joy threshold. And um, and so for me, and I've you know I've talked about this before, but um, it. It, what really struck home to me was if I have a low joy threshold, if it takes nothing for me to lose my joy, then I'll tell you what, I suffer because I live a joyless life. Yeah. I, have, I have a joyless work life, uh, a joyless walk with God. But worse than that, perhaps, is that my family has a joyless husband, a joyless father, joyless uh, colleague at work, and they all pay the price because I surrendered my joy. And I'll tell you what, I know some people, probably some of our listeners who work with someone that it's just, it's just a pain because you just never know from day to day, are they coming in in a bad mood? Did they have a bad weekend? You know, did, did they just end up getting annoyed at somebody over the weekend and now Monday morning they come in miserable here? They're coming Ready in as a vent <laughs> and, and all the word goes, the bot, look out for the boss. He's in a bad way this week. And, uh, and you realize well, it's not that the boss has the worst life in the, on the planet. It's just that he is just really quick to surrender his joy mm. if things don't go the way that he wanted them to. And I realize I don't want I, I to waste my only life joylessly, uh, where just day after day, week after week, um, I don't have joy because I just, I just felt like I had to surrender it because things are not going the way I want. And and I don't want to make light of people who are suffering. Uh, but, you know, I've known people with COVID. I've known people with cancer, known people that had terminal diseases, and they still had joy. I mean, right to the very end, they still, because joy comes from your, your relationship with God, not from circumstances that all go your way. Yeah, and, well, I like, I like that, making that distinction um, of joy being something that is within your parameter of control and 
you know, I think we think of happiness and things. It's just the stuff that happens to us. That yeah. Sparks our happiness or delight or whatever, but joy is a much deeper um, thing and it. And it's within our control to determine, you know, will we have joy today or yeah. not? And I, and a lot of times we don't think that way. We think, well, it's not my fault. I mean, I, I'm not the one who yeah, cut so. me off in traffic, you know. <laughs> but I, look at all these problems. Um, but, uh, you know, I think for all these, we just kind of wrap it up uh, today, Sam. But to, to say, uh, think about these areas of your life. Think about what you're hearing from God these days. When was the last time you got really just pumped about something you read in the Bible and you just had to tell people because you just saw something really exciting that you just had not seen before? Think about the level of what's God doing in your life right now? How is he working and using you to make a difference for his kingdom? Is it any more more extensive, uh, fruitful than it's been in the past? Uh, think about God's power in your life. Think about just what what are you seeing in your life that can only be explained by God? And are you seeing more of that now than you've seen in the past? And then think about the joy of the Lord in your life and Think about, are you more joyful now? I mean, if joy comes from your walk with God, your walk with God ought to be the richest, fullest, deepest uh, that it's ever been. You, you, you know him more now. You've known mm-hmm. him longer now. So in a sense, your joy ought to be greater. The older you get, the, the longer you walk with God, the greater your joy ought to be. But is that the case? Or have you ever known some grumpy, long-term Christians? <laughs> uh, and so... As you go into this uh, this week and in the days ahead, uh, take a bit of an inventory and say, are there, could God, does God want to raise the limits in my life and what I'm experiencing of him in some ways, uh, especially as you start to look forward uh, to the, the year to come, what what you might you need to do so that you raise those limits in your life and the year ahead is the most fruitful, joyful, productive, powerful life that you've lived so far Mm. well that's great stuff and until next time thanks for listening to the podcast if this is something you enjoyed it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on apple podcasts or wherever you listen don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends we always love hearing from our listeners so email us at podcast at blackv.org